walked into uh, the operating room and, uh, hi, Mr. Sims, how are you? It's, gonna, it's a little cold in here. We're going to put this blanket on you. And I want you to count backwards from 10. And I think I was gone by seven. And I woke up a couple, three hours later and I was like, I'm still here. <laughs> Welcome to Bloodworks 101. I'm your host, John Yeager. We produce this podcast in hopes of either educating or inspiring you to donate either time, money, or blood. Today, our guest is Seattle Mariners announcer Dave Sims, the voice of the M's for the last 14 years. High drive! Great field! Giddy up, baby! Giddy up! Go on! Thank you! The Mariners are an important partner of Bloodworks. When the pandemic forced us to change the way we collect blood, they hosted the very first pop-up donor center last April at T-Mobile Park. It's an amazing organization. Recently, my colleague Juan Cotto and I got a chance to talk with Dave Sims about diversity in the blood supply, since February is Black History Month. And we talked about diversity in our national pastime. For instance, I did not know that the M's lead the league in the number of black ball players on their roster. And we talked about Dave's battle with prostate cancer, which gave him a new appreciation for those who donate blood. And of course, when you're with Dave Sims, we talk baseball. Here's our conversation with Mariners announcer, Dave Sims. It's exciting to have you on today. And as I, I told you, I had uh, dreamed about being the center fielder of the Seattle Mariners and they drafted a guy by the name of Ken Griffey Jr. And it's really exciting to see that the commissioner's office has uh, uh, encouraged Ken Griffey Jr. to come take a part and be a part um, as a special assistant in attracting more young African-Americans to the game of baseball. I was wondering what your thoughts were about that. Well, I, I talked to Junior shortly after he, I saw the news and we had a really good conversation and yeah, he's all about, you know, promoting promoting the game, as you mentioned, more diversity. And, you know, baseball has got to start catching up to football and basketball in terms of promoting it uh, uh, to younger kids and, and, and just con- just continue to amp that up. And he's very excited about doing, doing that. And he has, he said he has multiple initiatives uh, in his back pocket that he wants to get started. So I said, hey, man, looking forward to seeing him in uh, – Anything I do to help you out, let me know. I can't, I can't think of a better person to to, to do outreach in, in the black community than Ken Griffey Jr. Such a popular player and, and such a great yeah. presence. And, and obviously recently, um, Major League Baseball has lost a number of great black pioneers in their game. Wow. Henry Aaron, Lou Brock, Bob Gibson, and, and players that you grew up watching and calling. And I was just yeah. wondering, what are your thoughts and feelings in regards to us, us losing our pioneers? Well, I think uh, I think it was Chuck D. I think said that my our, our baseball cards are moving on. It's so true, and uh, I, I've been very fortunate in my career that I've at one time or another had one or two or three encounters with just about all those guys. Joe Morgan, I used to talk to a lot. Uh, Lou Brock, I remember I've got pictures with him when he was in Seattle. Stopped up at the booth several times. I did a phone interview with uh, Bob Gibson. I interviewed Henry Aaron when I was on talk radio in New York. He was at I was at NBC, he was on the Letterman show, and I basically intercepted him as he came off the set, or came out of this that, that studio, and told him who I was, and can I get a couple of minutes, and he wound up giving me 20, 25 minutes, and it was great. So, it, uh, yeah, it, it's a long list. Whitey Ford, uh, I mean, I could, oh man, there's so many guys. It's been a shame, it's been a very difficult year in that regard. Uh, you know, white players, white players, I think a total of 11 Hall of Famers died from last March through, early January. So 
it's uh, the baseball is a lot less rich with those guys gone, but uh, the, the memories, the video, and the film, and everything, and the numbers, you know, they live on. And, and, and living on and time moves on and it, it's just uh, really enthusiastic and exciting for the Seattle Mariners franchise right now with the number of African-American players and, and young players such as Kyle Lewis and J.P. Crawford and Shed Long who are making some real impact just just as Sheffield and the, the excitement the Mariners have more black players I believe we heard than the entire American League Central on their roster and I'm just wondering the excitement of to be able to that, that you see in that as a as a broadcaster and call, starting to call that for, for the Seattle Mariner franchise. Yeah, you know, at the end of the night, uh, what was it, the 29, at the end of the 19th season, we had 10 African-American players and we had a forum and I got a picture with all the guys. It was terrific. And, and it made me feel good because, you know, in the history of Major League Baseball, I'm like the fifth or sixth uh, black guy to be a team uh, TV announcer. With. So, you know, I, there's ground that I'm going on. It's like I'm sort of following the footsteps of Bill White and Greg Gumbel and Paul Olden and guys like that and to see this many guys uh african-american players on, on the ball club it reminds me of you know growing up in the 70s when it was 17 18 percent of major league baseball had african-americans and it was all-stars everywhere it was it was unbelievable i mean if you just look at the 71 all-star game you know you had uh you had aaron you had reggie jackson you had joe morgan and you had willie stargell you had so many guys i mean it was just a dick allen so many guys that it, it was just remarkable. So hopefully these guys are, you know, the scouts, if you will, forging new ground and there'll be another wave of guys uh, continuing to move, uh, move on through. Dave, um, you uh, went through a health issue several years ago, uh, and, and obviously prostate cancer is one of the, the, the leading cancers and one of the leading killers of, of black men for, from a health perspective. And, and I was wondering what went through your mind when you heard that you had prostate cancer, and can you walk us through the, the, the process that you went through? Yeah, it was, um, it, we were working on getting a new, a new insurance policy, did the usual test, test comes back the numbers are elevated i had done a bad job of not staying in touch with my doctor the doctor did a bad job of not staying in touch with me because back in january that year that this uh, this test i was going through was in november in uh 15 so back in like january we had my physical and we said hey let's stay in touch and we, we didn't the number wound up going up one thing led to another uh, i saw that the number was up and then started reaching out and uh through some contacts we got to a doctor here in New York City, and um, I remember him saying, "Hey, if you ha if the numbers right, the numbers up, but don't freak out. We got this. Don't worry about it." Went through a whole bunch of tests and found out, confirmed that you know indeed we did have uh, the prostate cancer, and it was at an level elevated level. That was a little freaky. Um, uh, no, it was a lot freaky, and. I mean, you know, you're not gonna live forever, but it's like, I'm not ready, <laughs> you know? And and he says, don't worry, I got this. I've done a, done thousands of these operations. Dr. Douglas Sher, really just a good dude, great guy. And uh, he said, I remember having the last test sometime like December 10 of 15. He says, what's your schedule like? He was a baseball fan. What's your schedule like? What are you looking at? When do you have to be in spring training? I said, if I, if I get spring training, Feb 20, something like that, he says, done. That's going to happen. 
what are you doing on the 15th of January? I said, I guess I'm going to be here, right? And I said, Jan 15th was Dr. King's birthday. I remember walking up the east side and uh, get to the hospital. And there was a pastor came by, you know, said some words, anything you want to say, that whole thing. And walked into uh, the operating room and, uh, hi, Mr. Sims, how are you? It's, gonna, it's a little cold in here. We're going to put this blanket on you. And I want you to count backwards from 10. And I think I was gone by 7. And I woke up a couple, three hours later, and I was like, I'm still here. <laughs> and it was my doctor, my oldest son, and my, and my wife. My youngest son was to college. And uh, it's one of the happiest days of my life. So I was like, hey, all right. And then, you know, then the recovery and all that stuff. Uh, and and here, I am, here I am today. And I, I can't say enough about if you're in that age range, black, 40 and older, Black male, get tested on a regular basis. I mean, make it part of your regular, your annual routine. And, uh, you know, stay in touch with your doctor, keep communication, and read up on that stuff. It, you, this does not have to beat you. If you get it, you get there's, there's And you get it early, you can beat it. And I'm testing. I, I got it late and I was lucky. But I know a lot of other guys I, I know and stories I've read about, they got it early, no problem, functioning well, and uh, move on from there. Needless to say, we, we were glad that you were back too. And I guess the, the, the question becomes, what would you share and, and what did you learn from that experience about, you said in terms of communications with your doctor, um, obviously there are different types of um, issues in regards right now to, to um, minority communities, particularly the African American participating in the vaccine program that, that and a number of, of black people are very skeptical from, from what we're hearing. And my, my question to you is what would you what would you say to those um, in regards to participation in, in some of these uh, medical procedures, uh, vaccinations, research studies, um, and, and also uh, going seeing your doctor regularly? Yeah, well, I, I know the history of the, T the, the Tuskegee experiment. I know what has happened over the years. Uh, black people, have been, I mean, gone back to the mid 19th century and probably before we've been used as, you know, ex exper used for experiments. Uh, those days are over. And I do trust the science and, and the sciences and scientists. And, you know, they go out of their way, they devote their lives to research and find out how to combat these diseases. I don't think that you know, we're not dealing, uh, I think of Henrietta Lacks. I mean, everybody knows that story about you know, what they did to her. Um, I, I, I trust the science. And if, as, as it relates to COVID-19, I want to beat this thing just like everybody else. I got my first shot, I got a second shot coming up in a week. Uh, I, I believe in what they say. Uh, you know, Dr. Salk back in the 50s, you know, the polio saved thousands, hundreds of thousands of lives, continues to do so. And progress, progress is going on minute by minute in terms of trying to beat this COVID-19. I'm not afraid of getting a vaccine. Um, if, if I happened, to, I was lucky enough to be part of an interview with Dr. Fauci. And I think he's got as much credibility as anybody in the country, as through many of his colleagues. So I think there's plenty to trust there. And there's nothing to be afraid of. So I, I, I can't stress enough to trust 
the science industry, the, the medical fields. They're trying to save people, not hurt people. And, and I, I, I urge people to do what they have to do and uh, you know, put themselves, make themselves available for COVID-19 uh, vaccine and for men to follow up and take care of themselves. And, and prostate care is vitally important for black men, for all men, but especially black men. We have a universal activity at Bloodworks Northwest. We, we believe blood donation can really impact all communities. Um, and we, we want to encourage all communities to participate. There are there are biomarkers and, and that, are, that are related to the different ethnicities in their blood that can really help. For example, in the African-American community, sickle cell disease is, is, is quite prevalent. Um, and, and other and other other diseases where your your biomarkers can really impact. And, and I was just wondering, you know, your thoughts in regards to you know engaging communities of color. We talked about uh, Ken Griffey engaging communities of of color in regards to baseball, and, but in particular the black community, um, where you know there there are such high incidences of of prostate cancer and and the need for platelets and the need for blood. Um, what, what are your thoughts around donating blood and, and and supporting community types of health activities? You know, I as a Growing up, I used to hear all about blood drives, and being an African American, you know, it, it wasn't something that was in the forefront of my mind or our minds. I, I, when I was growing up, I grew up in Philly, but boy, when you start mentioning those diseases that are that are specific to African Americans and it, the platelets, getting platelets out there, and, and you've got trying to combat sickle cell anemia. It, it does make sense that you know we, we should be a heck of a lot more generous with our time and, and, and contributions. I, I think it's something we have to put into our way of thinking that uh, you know, everybody we, we try to help everybody in society and play our part. And I know I have to do a better job, and I, I think a lot of people have to do a better job, particularly in a black community. I mean, when you start hearing about shortages yeah, and there's young black kids dying, that's not right. And yeah, you know, we we got to do something about that. What ways do you, would you think of that we could engage the the minority populations? How how does how does an organization, a scientific organization, build trust in those communities? Uh, well, you know, I I, I don't want to you know, be st uh, stereotype or anything, but engage them, connect it to something that is popular. In their in that environment, whether it be sports, entertainment, music, arts, something, but you know, piggyback on that because you're already going to draw them in for something that they, that the folks, and the kids or the adults are amenable to, or something that is part of their lives. You attach that on to you piggyback there, and hopefully, in that regard, you know, you can start to get greater exposure and great and greater awareness. I mean, I, I think that's. When you start when you start telling people that there's kids who need you know blood black kids who need specific blood types donated, mm -hmm. I mean if that doesn't get to you, I don't you know I don't know what else I can tell you. Mr. Yeager, uh, my my colleague John Yeager, are there any other comments that you'd like to see if we can? Well, Dave, I was just uh, <clears throat> I just wanted to push on that a little bit more. Um, what you've gone through, uh, how is that? Um, colored your impression about blood donation. Uh, most people, uh, I don't know if you know this, but the number one reason why most people don't donate blood is fear of needles. And uh, everybody's got their reason why they why, why they don't donate. Uh, but I was just wondering with what you went through, is if, if that's impacted your, your feeling about blood donation at all. No, 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 I'm not afraid of needles. I mean, I get allergy shots on a regular basis and have been for years. 
uh, and then with the annual test that I go through, uh, not, that's not a factor. I do understand how people would be, you know, maybe reluctant, but you know, come on, it's like boom out. And the way people do it now, it's a lot different from when I when I when I was like 10, 11 years old. Felt like everything was going to kill you, but I mean, they you know they, they squeeze it, punch it in, and done. I, it's nothing worth freaking out over. It really isn't. And, and the life you save may be your own. So, you know, I, that's the way I would look at it. Well, we're just really, really proud to have you guys as partners, especially um, uh, looking at Black History Month and, and realizing that this, that the Mariners do lead the league in something, something really significant. And yeah. um, I wish we could shout it from the rooftops because it's, it, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's an accomplishment. Yeah, we're proud of it. There's no question, and, and good. You know, proud to be associated with you guys. So the work that you do is it's off the chart, man. And 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 you're talking about. I mean, we're in the we're in the entertainment business, but you you guys are in a life saving business. So that's like, <laughs> so that's uh, in terms of priority, it takes a little higher priority as far as I'm concerned. Uh, we just wish you every every uh, good wish this year, and. Uh... Let's see if we can uh, get back to that uh, that place where this town's just absolutely crazy about baseball. Yeah, and the the, the baseball knowledge is it's it's far deeper than it was back in '95. No question. So they they really know what they're looking at. They know what they want, and I'm right there with them. I want you know I want this thing to get going here and, and be a contender and and be a contender and and win something. You know, let's win a pennant. Let's get to the World Series. Let's win a World Series. So, yeah, that's a, that's what we're all aiming for. That just about wraps it up for this edition of Bloodworks 101. You've probably heard by now that the pop-up donor center at T-Mobile was recently awarded the Blood Drive of the Year by America's Blood Centers. Congratulations again to the Mariners for that honor. And finally, if you're like me, you're already looking forward to the start of baseball season. Hearing Dave Sims' voice certainly reminds me of why I love the game. The Mariners' home opener is scheduled for April 1st. For Bloodworks 101, I'm John Yeager. See you next time. Well, you know.